It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. We're talking, uh, we're on the series Listen Up, and we're on part three, learning how to recognize the voice of God. And it's, uh, I think it's a necessary series. We really need to hear all of these things to, to know what uh, God is saying so we can be about his business in his season. Amen. Thinking about communication, I, I noticed on the news with the, the, uh, all the Olympics going on, the Norwegian, the Norwegian delegation, I guess the chefs ordered uh, 1,500 eggs for their group. Did you see that? Did y'all see that? And somehow or another, they got, got lost in communication, and they, the Koreans sent them 15,000 eggs. And they showed them sitting on these crates and crates of, of eggs, and so they were uh, sending them back or getting it taken care of. So communication, it's not always effective, is it? I mean, it takes uh, receiving it and translating it and then responding. And, you know, a lot of times I think that's the way we are. We don't, uh, we want to tell God everything that we need, but a lot of times we don't listen, and when we do, we don't necessarily uh, respond the way that he would have us to respond, <laughs> praise God. As we've looked at this series, we've, uh, uh, you know, asked, uh, we, we want to hear God's voice, and to hear his voice, last week we looked at Sam, uh, Samuel as an example, and Samuel heard something, three times he heard his name mentioned, and he'd run to Eli, and he'd say, hey, here I am, you know, what's going on? And Eli, Eli's like, go back to sleep, kid, that's not me calling you, and finally after the third time, Eli realized that it was God trying to speak to Samuel, so he said, uh, this is God trying to speak to you. Next time you hear it, just say, here I am, uh, your servant Lord, here's your servant Lord, uh, I, I'm here to listen. And so uh, he went back within a spirit of expectation, and so he um, was ready, and when God spoke, then Samuel heard, and he responded, and he said, here I am, I'm, I'm here to listen. And so he recognized God's voice that time. So that we, we realized that the very first thing that we got to do, if we're going to hear God's voice, is we have to believe that he wants to speak to us. Then we need to get ourselves in a position of expectation to hear. And then we got to recognize his voice over other things. Because, see, Satan comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he comes with uh, ideas and thoughts and concepts as well. In First John chapter 4, verse 1 um, John tells him, says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So once we hear God's voice, we need to recognize it. We need to validate that it really is God speaking, and it's not, you know, me or something else. Well, there's a lot of modes of, of voices that are coming to us through uh, sin that would maybe be in our life or in the living in in a world of sin uh, sin can send voices to us and try to speak to us and to get us to do something in our, our own self within us you know certain desires and selfish desires and ambitions we can have certain thoughts and ideas and concepts that come up and we might misunderstand them and think oh well that's God speaking to me and of course Satan he brings about whatever to lie and to dis- try to deceive us and get us to listen to his voice so once once we learn, or once we begin to hear, or we're tuning in to hear, then we need to make sure that we're specifically recognizing that it's God speaking to us and not some, something else, some other voice. Let me ask you a question. What does the voice of God sound like? If, you, if he's ever spoken to you, how, what did it sound like? Elijah described it as a still, small voice. Um, 
Now, I've always listened for some kind of an audible voice of, from God, either, you know, internally or externally. And, you know, he, and he can speak that way. We know that he has spoken that way. But, you know, what I found uh, that, you know, really most of the time and most of us, that God's inner voice, he, he speaks to us in an inner voice and it comes as a spontaneous thoughts or maybe um, impressions or a feeling or feelings or even visions, you know, maybe through a dream or, or in prayer, then have a vision. God's spoken to me in that way partic- many different times. But um, maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you've been down, driving down the road and all of a sudden you feel impressed to pray for someone, to intercede for them. Has that ever happened to anybody? Okay, so then that would be God speaking to you. I mean, the devil doesn't want you praying for somebody, that's for sure. So that's easy to discern. So, but what did that voice sound like when that came to you? What was what? What was that? How, if that was God, what did he sound like? How did he, how did he speak to you? Was it an inner voice, uh, an, an audible voice, or was it maybe um, a thought that just happened to come into your mind as you were just going along and all of a sudden you thought of Jeff? Jeff came to your mind. Hmm. Yeah, well, I wonder why Jeff came to my mind. Um, most of you would probably say it was a spontaneous thought. So if that's the case, that's good, but again... We have to be careful because, you see, I'm going to need to teach on this more specifically about the, the difference between the spirit and the soul and what the soul is and where our spirit is and how they connect. It's just a, it's so hard to visualize because it's so abstract, you know, these things. But our spirit, once it's born again, um, needs to hear God. And we need to be led by the spirit and the spirit speaks to our spirit. But Satan uh, and all these other voices are speaking through our, really in our soul, through our mind, our will, our emotions, and, and they're swirling around in our spirit. If, if our spirit picks up the voice of God, then it, has, it transmits through our mind to affect our will or our emotions, right? And so how do we distinguish between the two? How can we make sure that, you know, this spontaneous thought, this thought that I had, is from God and not from me. Um, so, you know, that's, that's part of what we're doing right now in this, in this series. In the first part one, we saw that to test these things and so that when God does speak or when I have this thought or this impression, this feeling, this um, uh, vision or something like that. So the, the first thing as we begin to test all things, as John said, then uh, we've set these little tests or little filters, if you will, and uh, the first filter that we looked at in part one in some detail, does it line up with, God, with the Word of God? And if it doesn't, then we just throw it out. And we, we saw there that uh, it says there in Luke 21, heaven, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. It, it's going to stand forever. Truth is eternal. Uh, opinions change. Feelings change. Science changes. Um, you know, economy changes. Things change, but God's Word never changes. And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, you might want to jot this down. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful or active. It's quick and powerful. It's alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword or two-edged sword. Uh, It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, uh, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hey, wow, that's cool. So that's a big safeguard right there, isn't it? 
It divides the spirit and the soul. So as we look into the word of God, the word of God can help then separate then these thoughts, uh, these um, impressions, these feelings or various things and help to sort them out in the sense that it can divide between the soul and the spirit so we can help recognize those things. And it also says join tomorrow. I think that it also makes a difference in, for instance, like if it's our body, you know, there's certain habits, there's certain things that, um, you know, if, if you've had a certain habit, your, your body then is, is used to that. And so you have these cravings that, that uh, come through, right, from the flesh. The Word of God can also help separate from the flesh to help us to be able to not yield to the flesh. Tell us how not to yield to the flesh through walking in sanctification. And it also says uh, the very thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So those thoughts need to be judged and 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 find out, you know, if it really does align with God's word. And boy, a lot of times the devil said, but, I, but and, and he's trying to counterfeit and impersonate God. And he says, well, this is a new thing. So in other words, like a new thing means that God's never done it before. Well, it might be a new thing for you. We, we know that God does new things, but yet even in the new things, what he does is he reveals in his word where he spoke it way back then. It's just that it wasn't made known. It wasn't, didn't have an understanding. It wasn't opened up. It wasn't revealed. And so even though it's new, it's already been spoken. It's been revealed so we can validate it by the word. Amen. Somebody say amen, pastor. <laughs> so when I get a thought or an impression, uh, I need to, you know, run it through God's Word. And then the second thing that we looked at in some detail last week was that uh, the second filter is, does, uh, will this express the character of Christ? Is this going to, will Jesus be seen in this? Is this something that Jesus would do? Or will it evidence Jesus? Will it evidence his character, his nature? Or would it be, you know, like little edgy, not quite his character. Well, um, if that's the case, if it doesn't express his character, then we just need to, you know, throw it out, get something else. Amen. And, um, we looked there at second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, where the apostle Paul talks about that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against, uh, the knowledge of God, what we know about God. So we can demolish every argument or, or, um, case that would be made uh, to accept this particular word. You know, if Satan's trying to get you to do something, he brings about an argument uh, or, you know, why you should go ahead and do this to help justify those particular things. Well, so we can cast those things down, it says there in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So these thoughts that are coming and trying to uh, direct our life, we can take captive those thoughts. We bring those thoughts in. We get a hold of them. We come and we compare them against the Word of God and see if it lines up with the Word of God. If it does, then we take that next step forward. Is this something that will evidence the very character of Christ? If it does, then we looked at James chapter 3 and and verse 14 down through the fourth chapter of James where he talks about that, uh, you know, if you harbor... Uh, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts and you do not boast uh, uh, he says do not boast it or, or deny the truth such wisdom does not come from heaven but it is earthly unspiritual it's of the devil and got to have the right type of attitude here that uh, that you need to be right because you know it can be something that lines up with the word of God but if it's coming through a vessel that, that is not honoring God and, the, and you're harboring bitterness and strife against your brother, it's not going to come out right. And that's not going to be, you'll interpret those things wrong. You, you'll, uh, you know, the Word of God says that, 
Judas went out and hung himself. And then another verse over here says, go and do likewise. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be careful here that you don't just get them all jumbled together, you know? I mean, is this something that's going to edify Jesus and is it going to help prolong your ministry? I don't think so. <laughs> so we looked at that in some detail. And so today what we want to look at is this third filter that we can bring this through. Will it edify the body of Christ? Now, I think this is a big deal because when, say, when, when the Lord begins to motivate people and, and he begins to establish them and encourage them, you see, we have an individual responsibility. We have individual uh, assignments in the church, but together they all work together that the church then, the body of Christ, then moves forward in the same way that we all live on uh, certain uh, levels and we're, we arrive at certain stages in our spiritual life, churches are the same way. On a certain level, then it comes to a stage and takes a step up and goes on. And what I've seen, when the, <clears throat> when the body of Christ is, is on this level and ready to take another step up and ready to go on with the Lord, Satan really gets in and tries to shuffle the deck. He tries to go through and uh, run through the camp and, and scatter everybody from either through discouragement or doing something else, or a lot of times it's just like there's this discouragement right before going in. Wow, what's up with that? I've seen it time and time and time again. He wants to bring a setback. You know, uh, Joshua and the children of Israel, they were to set, they said, wait three days there on the Jordan River before they crossed over. Sometimes that period before when you're on this level and you're getting ready to go, you're at a stage where you're getting ready to go to another level. That three days of waiting on God, boy, Satan really gets in there and tries to discourage you somehow or another or bring about uh, strife and bitterness. And he will definitely try to hinder the church body from moving forward. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So in um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, and then every church there as the letters are being written to the churches of Revelation. It says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, we, we benefit from it individually, but when he writes those letters, he's writing it to the church body. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, that's us. They're wearing this thing together. There's no Lone Rangers in the body of Christ. Hey, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. I mean, he had his sidekick, you know, and his horse. But... So there's something about this. The Spirit of God is speaking today, and he is speaking to individuals, but he speaks to his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, it says, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. So whatever we're doing, when God speaks, when the Spirit of God is speaking, he won't do something that's going to fragment the body of Christ. He won't. He just won't do it. But boy, I've seen it time and time again. And you know what? Usually the, the, the reason, for, well, God, you know, God's just telling me I need to do. Okay. All right. Go about it. And what I've done, I've sat back over the years and I've watched and it's so amazing how, you know, God must have had that wrong because it's like, you know, about six months or nine months or a year, it just didn't work out. I, I, you know, I said, well, God, you're going to have to just get things a little bit 
straighter. You need to work on that a little bit better because something's not happening. If you spoke that to that person, it just didn't work out. You know, again, we've got to be careful because we try to justify this thought, this impression, this feeling that we have. What's motivating this? What's behind that? Is it bitterness? Is it envy? Is it strife? Is it, what is it? What's, what's motivating that thought? When you get to the motivating factor, that's where you, you know, you don't have to go any further, really. You know, as back to that step two, when it's talking about, you know, being uh, like Christ there in, in James, when he talks about that, you know, it ought to come, it ought to be motivated by, uh, it ought to be pure. It ought to be free from all uh, impurities or, or my thinking or this or that or whatever. And it ought to be peace-loving. In other words, it ought to bring about the peace of God in, in the body. It ought to be considerate. So it's considerate to one another. It ought to be submissive. Is it submitted to the leadership and, and to God's word as well? Full of mercy, you know, and uh, good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. It ought to be impartial, not showing favoritism. It ought to be sincere. In other words, free from deceit. It ought to be genuine. And all those things that go through, that's before you even get to part three where it says, is it going to edify the body of Christ? And see, you can get through all that and still, if it's not going to build up the body of Christ, then, hey, we need to throw it out because Jesus came to, to establish the church. Just listen to some of these, these verses about the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says that his intent, speaking of the intent of the Lord Jesus Christ under the direction of God's will, his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. It's through the church that God's going to express his wisdom. So he won't do anything to fragment the church. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Well, there's a, you've got to get past that first. Humble. The word means, it's the same word, the visual picture for the word of humility or to be humbled is, the way I always see it is taking a, a toothpaste tube, you know, and you can slide down on something, a sharp edge, and just squeeze every bit of it out till it's completely flat. There's nothing else in it. That's what it means to be like a contrite spirit, completely emptied out of all that we are, so there's nothing left in there of me, so that I'm humble and contrite before the Lord. And uh, Paul is saying, be that way, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, so if we're humble and gentle, in other words, it's not me, and I'm looking to not just be abrupt or whatever, be gentle, then it says be patient. Hmm, no, I'm just going to want to do this now. We're going to do this now. And, and why is this not happening? And, you know, whatever that Satan's magnifying to you. Uh, bearing with one another in love. You know what that means, bearing with one another? Just put up with that person. Put up with them. Might not can stand them, but put up with them. How many of you have siblings? You were raised in a family you hadn't, you were not the only child, okay? Because if you're the only child, this doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, they're your, they're your brother or your sister. But I mean, you might have just, there was times when you'd like, tear their head off, you know? But yet, there's, you're still in the family, right? You got to learn how to get along. Sometimes in the body, in our family, you know, there's somebody that Satan will just magnify their personality to you that you're just like, oh, my gosh. And every time you turn around, it's like, that's that person. And that's that personality coming out. And it's right at you. So what do you do? You just leave. And you know what happens? They leave too. And they both leave. And then nothing's ever, another, 
ever taken place or nothing's ever solved. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. What you need to do is be able to get to bear with one another, put up with them in love. Say, you know what? I can't change them, but I can change me. I can change me. I had to learn that, you know. I had to learn that. I've got stories I could tell you about that. But uh, no, it doesn't, you know, they're going to be in the family of God. So you've got to learn, how can I, Lord, how can I handle them? How can I put up with them? You do. <laughs> I mean, if he couldn't handle them, he'd knock them out, take them out of this world, right? <laughs> I mean, they'd be gone. So evidently they're here for some reason, and it's to help you to help knock the rough edges off of you, make you more loving, right? Look at it as an opportunity. Oh, praise God, I'm going to really develop a lot of compassion and mercy and love and humility and, and a contrite spirit out of this thing. And wow. <laughs> yeah. Remember that word sincere? <laughs> sincere. Um, so it says be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to what? Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Wow. Okay, Lord, I've done everything I could do. Yeah, you did everything you could do, but you didn't do it in the Spirit. <laughs> you did everything you could do. That's why you know, I'm working on you because you ain't there yet. You still got a lot more you need to develop because you can't do it in you. Hello. <laughs> oh, boy, it's tough. Make every effort to keep. <laughs> this is what it's all about. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Really, Paul? <laughs> really? Wow. You ought to jot these scriptures down, and when somebody's getting on your nerves in the body, because that's where it happens, you know, in the body. If you can, if you can put up with people in the church... You got it made it work. All right? Well, well why, Pat? That shouldn't be that way. Yes, yes, yes. We've got to learn. It's, a, it's an environment that's controlled. It's a controlled environment. Jesus is watching over this. So I always tell parents with their, with their youth, you know, and, well, you know, the kids just aren't getting along. Great. This is where they learn to get along. Better to learn to get along in church been in the world someplace or never learn at all and then they just go through life not being able to get along with anybody. How many of you know those, those people that never grew up? They never developed in that area of their life. So, of course, nobody, not everybody's going to, hey, well, in case you didn't know it, not everybody's going to love you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I mean, look at Jesus. I mean, he was all that you could be. I mean, you know, he... And they crucified him. I mean, so, you know, so just um, when we think we're all that, just be completely humble, okay, and uh, gentle, and be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Wow. So if this impression, this feeling, this, you know, word from God is not going to help keep the unity of the Spirit, you can throw it out. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. In case you didn't realize that uh, the book of Ephesians was written, it's called the church. It's to talk about the church, the body of Christ. Chapter 4, verse 16 of Ephesians says, For uh, from him, the whole body, 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we all have a part to do. And sometimes supporting ligaments, there's not, sometimes all the members aren't doing what they ought to do, and those supporting ligaments get strained, and they're crying out, help, we need you other parts to kick in and, uh, and help do your part. And those that are getting strained don't grow weary in well-doing. Be patient. <laughs> you know, God's trying to work on somebody, and if, he can't, if they won't listen to him, they sure aren't going to listen to you. I remember at, uh, wasn't this church, it was, it's another church I was ministering in, and I was just, man, I was like, Lord, you just need to just get them people because they're just not doing right. You know, they're, they're not hearing you and, and then blah, 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 and I'm just, you know, I'm, and I'm getting mad at the people because they're not doing what God would have them to do because I know what God would have them to do because I'm, I'm telling them and they're not doing it, so, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated. It's like the Lord said, hey, look, I'm doing the best I can, Okay. And if they ain't listening to me, they sure ain't going to listen to you. So just give me a break, okay? You ain't God yet. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. So I learned, I thought, okay, well, that's true. If they're not going to listen to God, they're sure not going to listen to you. In fact, they're probably getting mad at God, and so you can count on it. They're going to get mad at you. Ephesians, yeah, did y'all catch that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths unwholesome talk what would that be unwholesome talk he says but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs you need to be spiritual enough to see what other people's needs are remember we have this little saying see a need and meet it find a hurt and heal it so if we go out to be let's can we make need meters to go out to meet a need, meet people's, the needs in people's lives. If we go out to discern needs, then what we speak into their lives ought to help them, motivate them for the need that they have. Uh, and it, but if we go out looking for something else, for something that's wrong in their life, we'll find it. Because they're nobody perfect. Problem is, is we don't usually have that mirror that's shining back on us interpreting what all's wrong with us. But we know we're okay. I mean, we know even with the things that we haven't got right, we're working on them, okay? So that's okay. So we're cool because we're working on them. But for you, I don't see, you ain't working on it because I don't see nothing. That's why we're not God. Because we can't see what they're working on and what God is working on in them. So just be patient, chill out. You just do you. Right? Well, why is it that when God is dealing with us about something, then everybody in the whole world ought to be doing the same thing, you know? God's, chase, if God's doing something in my life on a particular area. Everybody around me ought to be the same way. Well, you ain't praying enough. God's been telling, I need to pray more. Well, you ain't praying enough. You ain't praying enough. If you were praying more, you'd be blah, 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 blah. Wait a minute, excuse me. Don't worry about their, don't worry about them. They're servants of the Lord. Let the Lord take care of them. If he's talking to you about this, then you take care of that. Remember what Jesus said about the, don't worry about the speck in somebody else's eye until you get the log out of your own eye. It's so much easier to see the spots and other people. You used to do this little thing. You'd take a piece of white paper and put a little black dot in the middle of it, and you'd run around, what do you, what is there, what do you see on this paper? And everybody, well, a black dot. See a black dot. Well, what about 
the 99.9% of the other part of the paper that's white. <laughs> you don't see that? You don't see a clean piece of paper? No, we see the speck. We see the, we're just conditioned that way for some reason. And we carry that over into how we judge people. And we see them are like, why didn't you do such and such? And why don't you? And they're just not doing this, and they're just not doing that. And besides that, I'm not being fed. That's because you're running your mouth so much, you don't have time to eat anything. <laughs> I always wanted to say that. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, he says, uh, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Go out to see a need and then speak life into that person. Speak encouragement. Prophesy to them what their needs are and that, and, and that, where that they can take another step, a step forward. And then it says uh, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Hmm. So what is grieving the Holy Spirit? Us. We are the... the the instrument, we are the things that are grieving the Holy Spirit by not discerning other people's needs and not speaking into their lives and not helping them, not being an encouragement to the body of Christ, but being a discouragement to the body of Christ, being a, a you know, a strain and a separation and stuff like that. Wow, that grieves the Holy Spirit. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So he says, um, verse 31, get rid of all all bitterness. If we find ourselves that, you know, and, and that somebody's just in the body is just bothering us, that's why we need to pray for them. Pray for that God would bless them and increase them. Whatever it takes, Lord, to, to get them from here to here so that they're not bugging me anymore. No, that's a selfish prayer. But anyway, bless them, right? Lord, move them and just begin to pray for them and, and pray passionately for them. What are their needs? Maybe there's something happening in their life that's causing them to be so upset. Help them with that. Jesus said, heap coals of fire upon their heads. And I used to think, yeah, that's right. Oh, he called a fire on your head, boy. No, what it meant that that was a precious commodity to be able to start a fire at any particular time it was a, a great thing. So to give someone coals of fire was was like giving them life. They could cook. They could stay warm. They could have light to see uh, in the darkness. It was a tremendous blessing. So bless those that curse you. It's what he says. So he says, uh, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Hmm. Get rid of these things. Slander. That's simply just saying something that's... It's not... You know, saying the negative about that person. Seeing their, their negative side and then just, just letting somebody know about it. Wow. Hmm. Well, if I was the king, Absalom said when he was at the gate, I wouldn't do it this way. I'd do it a different way. You know, well, the king, you know, I don't know what's wrong with him, but, you know, I wouldn't do it that way. Oh, hello. Well, why don't you get in and help the king? And uh, maybe God's given you an idea and it needs to come through, but don't stand out of the gate and talk bad about, about him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So then verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgive them. 
So if something's not right in their lives and it feels like that they're, they did something to you, forgive them. Forgive them. Pray for them. Love them. And grow. Get your roots down. Grow. Because you're about to take an, another step up. But you can't go on up to the next level until you solve the things that are here. Hmm. If we can't get over certain people on this level, you're going to find them wherever you are. <clears throat> you can't go further than where you have, um, where you've overcome, you know, to the point of what you've overcome, that's as far as you're ever going to get. You've got to be able to overcome on this particular level, those people that aggravate you, that frustrate you, that whatever you think is wrong with them, you know what, you need to get over it. Don't worry about it and go on. Proverbs 11, 9 from the New International Reader's Version, it says, with their words, ungodly people destroy their friends, neighbors, their friends, but those who do what is right escape because of their knowledge. You know, there, there will be a time when the Lord comes after his bride. And the bride, she's made herself ready. And she's one that uh, the bride of Christ begins to manifest the character of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Begins to show forth the character of Christ and, and the nature of Jesus. And, and uh, so, you know, if you can't forgive these people and you can't, walk in that area of forgiveness, wait a minute, then you're going to hang around and, and keep having to walk over that thing over and over and over. And Proverbs says, but those who do not, uh, who do what is right escape because of their knowledge. I think there's going to come a time when the, the bride is going to be able to escape. He's, the bridegroom is going to come and he's going to shout, descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and, he's, and say, come up here, you know. The bridegroom would come and he would stand afar off from the, the house where the bride was, and he would shout out, and she would, oh, she was expecting to hear his, she'd been listening, so then she comes out to meet him. So shall we be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall you ever be with the Lord. You want to overcome, you want to be in the bridal company, then you need to overcome these petty things here. These are fleshly things. Not being able to get over somebody's attitude. Wasn't that something we did in sixth and seventh grade? supposedly something like that you know so that's the third thing if if what you are hearing this impression this feeling this word from god that's telling you to do such and such if it's not going to bring about unity and build up the body of christ then you need to throw it out there's something it's not right the fourth thing we'll do this and and we're going to pray with you is that you know you need to ask is this idea this feeling this impression this vision, supposedly, that I'm having, I'm trying to discern, is this you, God, or not? Is it consistent with how God has designed me? You know, is it, uh, you know, does it line up with the Word of God? Does it express the character of Christ? Will it magnify the body of Christ, okay? Well, then, how God has designed me, is it going to further that? Is it going to increase that? The interesting thing, and we know this, before we were born, God knew uh, what he needed us to do and who he wanted us to be. And so he designed you, he shaped you specifically, and he determined your significance, your purpose in the body of Christ. Isn't that cool? He designed you specifically and your significance to the body of Christ and your purpose in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship. And the Greek word for that is poeme, which we get our word poem. You're God's poem. 
You're God's design, his uh, fabrication of a sense that he, he fabricated you and designed you and shaped you and, and gave purpose to you, that it would fit together with his overall canvas of things to make about this wonderful symphony of a body of believers that in one mind and one accord can give wonderful praise to him. He placed you there. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works with, uh, which God pre- prepared in advance for us to do. God already designed you and your purpose. And so if this thing, is this thing spe- that, that, that you're hearing that you think is the word of God, is that in line with how God has a, the assignment that God's given to you, the purpose that he's working in your life? And a lot of times we'll say, well, I don't know. I don't know what my purpose is. You need to discover your purpose. If not, then Satan can deceive you because it could be, we could think, well, yeah, it's, it's in the word. It's, uh, you know, I, I find in all these other areas, and it's like, I'm supposed to be on the praise team. I'm supposed to be playing the keyboard. Okay. Uh, you know how to play the keyboard? No. Okay. Hmm. Uh, can you sing? Uh, maybe. If you can't carry a tune in a Ziploc bag, <laughs> and you, that ain't your ministry. I know God took a donkey and spoke through it, okay? That was out of dire necessity. But if you ain't got the ability to do that, <laughs> don't make a donkey out of yourself, okay? I mean, you know. When we were overseers of the, the choir in Tulsa, um, there were some people that thought that was their ministry. And we go down just a simple pitch retention test on the keyboard. And if they couldn't, like if I would hit da-da-da-da-da-da-da, if they couldn't go da-da-da-da-da-da-da, if they were doing something else, brother, I think you're called to be a greeter or a usher or a... Lights or, you know, maybe sound, but it ain't the sound of music, I can tell you that. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And there's nothing worse than a square peg in a round hole. I mean, everybody has a place. And so a lot of times we get excited and sometimes the place we want is what we, you know, is what means a lot to us. And we just begin to covet that place thinking that's cool and we want to do that. And that's great if you're called in that way and God's fashioned you that way. But if he hasn't given you that ability, then you're wasting your time and you're not helping the body of Christ. Amen? So, uh, you know, I mean, I'd like to be a brain surgeon, but who wants to be my first experiment, you know? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, so... You know, find your purpose and, and come talk to us. We'll help you. You know, what do you do well? What interests you? What's, what do you get satisfaction? And when you do something, such and such thing, what gives you great satisfaction? What makes you angry, you know, when something happens? Some of those things help to point you in the direction of how God has designed you and how he's made you specifically. And, you know, sometimes we, don't, we might not see those things you know, just real visible things in the body. But that's why Paul talks there in Ephesians chapter 3 about, you know, there are the visible parts and then there's the, you know, the non-visible parts of the body. Hey, this, this body's made up of all members, you know, but there's only certain parts of my body that you see. You know, there are others are functioning and you don't see them. Uh, but we need all the parts. Just because you can't see my heart 
you know, my real blood pumping heart doesn't mean that it's not there and it's not working. And you, if we do without that, we all know that we got a problem, right? So uh, we need all parts of ministry. He said, well, but you, you know, I just don't see what my desires, you know, and, and my, what, what really I get excited about. I don't see that being done in the church. Hello! <laughs> That's why God put you here <laughs> to do that. Man, and with the technology that we have today, there's so much that's needed in, in talent and ability to, to do these things to help reach the lost, win the lost, and develop the saved. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 in the Living Bible, he says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So he's given each of us the ability to do certain things well. What you can do and you do well, then do those things and do those things well. Don't let Satan sidetrack you and move you away from what you do well, okay? Um, again, you know, it's like, well, you know, God told me I'm supposed to. Okay, well, let's just check it out. Let's just check it out. Let's get some confirmation on that. So test it and see. And then the fifth thing here, does it concern my responsibility? And if what God's speaking to me, does it concern my responsibility? Hmm. In John chapter 21, verse 20, there's an example of this that, that's given, I think, that we need to listen to. In, in verse 20 of John 21, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Now, who do you think that person, that disciple would be? The, the one that Jesus loved. The one that's writing the, the book here. The one that's writing this down. I always thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it, John's not going to name himself, but he's going to say he's the one that, I'm the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> I'm the one he really loved. Um, and he did. He, he, he had that. But anyway, so Peter turned and saw that uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one whom he had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? So now this is after, you know, this is when Jesus is here before his transfiguration. It's after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And Jesus comes back and he's with his disciples there, you know, and he's teaching them for 40 days. And so, so this is a test. And he's trying to, you know, it's like, y'all didn't get this first time. I had to come back down here and do a little overtime on this. You know, it's like having to stay after school for remedial classes that, you know, you should have got the first time. That's what Jesus was doing. I'm just, okay. Anyway, verse 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Because Jesus had just been saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? Well, Lord, you know you're my best friend. And Jesus said, well, yeah, it's good about friendship stuff, but I mean, do you love me unconditionally? Well, Lord, you know I, I fillet. I, you, man, we're cool. We're tight. We, you, know, man, we're, you know, man, we're friends. I mean, that's why Peter thought he could rebuke Jesus when Jesus said, I got to go in. They're going to crucify me and all this stuff. And he said, no, not you, Lord. I'll, that won't happen when Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Remember that? So, you know, Peter had been rebuked and all these other things. And so Jesus had really been putting some pressure on Peter. And so P Peter's like, so what's the first thing we do whenever we're getting pressure on us? We look around to somebody else to see who else isn't doing good and try to say, well, what about them? You know, what about them? Remember those days? <laughs> Again, it's either brothers and sisters or whatever. It's like, why are you getting on to me? They do just as bad. And so here's the thing, if what this, this word that, that you're hearing supposedly from God, if it lines up with everything else, but if it doesn't concern your responsibility, you know what, you need to throw it out. Because all it's going to do is start to produce more strife 
in you, and then it will be a division in the body, and it just, it'll just work itself backwards. And again, as Peter says, um, well, what about him, Lord? Jesus answered, if I want him to, to remain alive until I return, what's it to you? You must follow me. No, what difference does that make? I can do whatever I want to do with him. You know, you need to take care of you. Well, that's what the Lord's saying. Don't worry about somebody else over here. Don't worry about how they're, you know, the usher's ush and the deacon's deek and the whatever else, you know. I mean, don't worry about any of that. Just worry about you. We get all mad about every other thing in the body. But, and we want to fix all those other things, but we're not watching us. We're not looking at us. We just want to fix everything else because we can see everything else wrong in the church, right? If you can't say amen, say or amen, say, oh, me. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus said, you know, uh, what's that to you? you? You must follow me, he says. So, um, you know, and, and then let me read this. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Don't be judged. And who, who's the other servant? Don't, he says, don't judge another man's servant. We're all servants of the Lord, so we don't have the right to judge somebody else in the body of Christ. The Lord Jesus is going to take care of that. I just need to do me. Amen? And in uh, verse 10, he says, You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you uh, look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Why are you, you know, trying to take this? Everybody's going to stand before the judgment seat, uh, God's judgment seat. Verse 11, it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow every, uh, before me. Every tongue will confess to God. Verse 12, so then each of us will be given an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another instead make your mind uh, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block before or obstacle in your brother's way hey you just need to take care of you and make sure you're not causing your brother to stumble in some particular way if i'm my eyes are so much over on you i'll be walking into something we were in san francisco california when my granddaughter uh alexi was born and we were walking down, and for some reason, we were talking, and uh, back and forth, just talking, 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 and I was, and boom, I walked right into a street lamp. <laughs> I need to be taken care of. <laughs> you remember, don't you? Christian remembers it, because he always, oh, I remember when you walked in. Yeah, well, it's because I was trying to take care of somebody. I'm just, you know, here, there, and whatever, and boom, man. And I thought, first thing I thought is, you know what, I hope my spiritual life isn't like that. So busy watching somebody else's walk or whatever that I'm not watching where I'm going because Satan will put something in front of me to knock me out. <laughs> God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to every one of us. He is. He's trying to speak to us, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak with us, but sometimes we're so busy trying to figure out or seeing what everybody else is doing wrong that we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt us on what he wants to do next in our life. <laughs> 